everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm Rex Nelson, Senior Editor of the Democrat Gazette, and my honor today to have Janet Harris from the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute, high atop Petty Jean Mountain. It's a, it's a nasty day as we tape this, so we're not high atop Petty Jean Mountain, although that's where their headquarters is. We're we're actually in foggy, rainy downtown Little Rock. But uh, Janet, thanks for coming out on a on an awful weather day to visit. Well, thank you for having me. Despite the rain, I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, it it is great to have you here. One of the things that I always remind myself of, you well know that WRI is one of my favorite institutions in the state. Your headquarters on Petty Jean is one of my favorite spots in the state. But I don't take for granted that people listening to this podcast necessarily know what the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute is. So a little WRI 101 for those that might not be familiar with you. Sure, sure. So we are located on the former home and cattle ranch of Winthrop Rockefeller, who moved to Arkansas in 1953 and lived on the mountain for 20 years. Um, He left a good part of that campus and estate to charity, and it has been different things over the years. At one point, uh, Winrock International had their headquarters there, which is a cousin organization of ours. Uh, But in 2005, the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute was formed, and we are a conference center, nonprofit conference and retreat center. A lot of people wonder, uh, why would you have a nonprofit conference center? Well, because we have a very specific mission, and that is to continue Winthrop Rockefeller's collaborative approach to creating transformational change. What that simply means is that we bring people together on top of Petty Jean Mountain in the place where Winthrop Rockefeller did that same work. And we invite them into conversation about challenges facing our state and their communities. But more importantly, we invite them into conversations across divides, whether that's political divides, ideological divides, or just uh, lots of different ideas about solutions. We want people to be able to work together collectively for the future of their communities, and we do that because we were inspired by Governor Rockefeller's legacy to do so. Tell me a little bit about how you got there. Uh, you and I share a background in, in in that we both worked inside the state capitol building for a number of years. But uh, uh, for those that are listening today, a little bit about your background and how you wound up at WRI. Yeah, well, I'm a native Arkansan. I grew up in northeast Arkansas, a little town called Marmaduke, and uh, ended up moving to central Arkansas for college to attend UCA. And I was a sugar bear and played basketball there. Um, And then, you know, to study public administration, I was really interested in how uh, public service could be uh, a pathway for me to give back to my community. And I ended up uh, working for Second District Congressman Ray Thornton right out of college. That was my kind of learning ground. And then uh, briefly for the city of Little Rock before uh, taking a job in the state capitol. And I worked for many years for Charlie Daniels, who was an elected constitutional officer Um, I spent eight years as Deputy Secretary of State in the Capitol, and we were kind of there at the same time. And so, you know, watching the the mechanisms of government and um, and engagement uh, happen in that Capitol building was was definitely a teaching ground for me. Absolutely, as was the 10 years that I spent in the governor's office down the the hall from you during that period. Um, So that's a little bit about your background, a little bit about WRI. Now I want to really dive down 
into your current initiative, which I have already written about, but I plan to write a lot more about because I think it is so important for the future of Arkansas. But with the Rockefeller Institute partnered with several other entities to produce what is known as the Arkansas Civil Health Index. Tell us a little bit about what that is. And then we'll get into what it revealed. Okay. Well, the Arkansas Civic Health Index is the first research publication of its kind to examine three different laneways of civic health. Uh, One is direct political participation, so things like voting, voter registration, contributing to campaigns. Uh, And then also the uh, indirect forms of political engagement, other ways in which we interact with our government and the way in which we're connected to each other and how we work together in community. The National Conference on Citizenship uh, supports these kinds of reports across the country. I think 36 other states had a, a civic health index report, but Arkansas did not. And so by our partnership or through our partnership with the Clinton School of Public Service, Engage Arkansas and the Central Arkansas Library System, we were able to pull together data and the Clinton School researchers actually wrote the report and analyzed the data um, and to look at, you know, how healthy are we in, in, in how healthy is our, um, is our civic community in Arkansas and what can we do to improve that? So the report came out in December. It's available online for anyone who wants to read it. And um, there's some very interesting findings there. There really are. One, and we will get into the others, but one that really disturbed me, and this is one reason I've already written about it, is the fact that Arkansas literally has the lowest voter participation rate in the country. That that's disturbing. Absolutely, fifty first. So you know we're behind all other states in the District of Columbia, uh, and that is very problematic when you think about it. And it isn't it doesn't necessarily benefit one party or one candidate or another. It is the fact that not enough Arkansans are showing up to be representative of the choices that that are being made. And so we really hope that that's one thing that we can work on through uh, Civic Arkansas, which is the program that we will we are launching in response to this report at the Institute because we are a convener and because we bring people together to try to search for solutions. We want to do that around civic health to ask what can we do to strengthen the civic health of Arkansas and what can we do to capitalize on the things that are good about our state, which there are so many, as you've written about? There really are. I, I'm asking you to speculate, but this is, it's educated speculation because this is what you do for a living. But why, in your opinion, are our voter participation rates so low? Well, you know, I can, you can look at the report. Um, there's some anecdotal data from citizens who were interviewed. You know, part of the problem is that we have some communities that, Transportation to the polls is an issue. There may be barriers to registration. There may be barriers to voting on election day. You hear people talk about, you know, I can't get off work. The lines are too long. I don't know how to participate. Now, as a former election official, I can tell you a lot of those things are things that we can solve with a little information um, and, you know, coordination with voters. But I think that's that's part of it. Part of it, too, is what people are telling us anecdotally is that they, they just don't aren't sure their vote makes a difference. And I think when you're looking at national elections, that's very easy to assume. 
But frankly, what we really need are people participating, especially in our local. Oh, absolutely. School board, city council, county, quorum court, all so important. Yes, so important and so important to your everyday life. And so I think that there is this misconception that, you know, my vote doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference, but it absolutely does. Um, And, you know, then I think the other thing, too, is to just their politics has kind of gotten a bad rap and deservedly so in many ways. We are very polarized as a country and people think about politics as something that they don't necessarily want to be involved in. But the truth is, politics is not about one party or another. Politics is about how we choose to be together and govern how we live together and and govern how we distribute resources and make improvements in our communities. And those things need a multitude of voices. And so this low, low voter turnout is a very serious issue. You know, I was honored just recently to be the opening night speaker to the annual winter meeting of the Arkansas Municipal League. As you know, that's one of the largest annual conventions in Arkansas, about 1,100 people registered. And as I stood there, Janet, and spoke, um, it, it, it this wasn't my speech, but it kind of dawned on me as I looked out at all those city council people and mayors, is that those of us in the media, we spend so much time on national politics and on the state capitol, which we were speaking of too, whereas a lot of the innovation, a lot of the real change is taking part at the city level, at the county level. And I looked out at all of those hundreds of mayors from all 75 counties and city council members and thought, those are the people that are really making things happen in Arkansas right now. Absolutely. And I think they would say, those local elected officials, that they need more people like them to get engaged and get involved. The Civic Health Index measures things like whether or not you volunteer, uh, how many people join groups, for example, or come together with their neighbors to do something for their community at the local level. That's how change really happens. And it's closest to us, so we understand it a little bit better. Um, And I just think there's a, a, a lot of opportunity in Arkansas for us to be proud of where we are from and to um, have agency to take what's good about our communities and build upon it. And there's so much there. So yes, a local level politics, very important. It's very important to get involved and get engaged. Um, and But, you know, again, you have to have you have to have an avenue to do that. And Absolutely. you have to have an avenue for information about how to do that. And that's part of what Civic Arkansas is going to address. Hit on some of the other key findings. We talk about the voter participation rates, but some of the other key findings. So um, voter participation, you know, we've already mentioned is is the lowest in the country. Um, we also, um, as Arkansans, we, um, we are less likely to volunteer than um, some of the states around the country. We are less likely to talk with our neighbors about politics. Uh, And that's something that I think also has a little bit of a misconception. Most people that at least I talk to informally will say, well, I don't want to talk about politics with my neighbors or my family. I don't want to have this discussion at the Thanksgiving table. But when you talk about politics, political issues and issues in your community with your neighbors, it tends to kind of foster this um, collective Uh, desire to do something about the things that you want to see change. And so the fact that we're pretty low in that um, is is disturbing. Um, We are a little bit less likely to talk with our elected officials than people around the country. 
Um, we are very connected. We're very neighborly. So that's a good thing. Um, the civic health index measures social connectedness. We are one of the friendliest states. And I don't think that surprises any of us that read the report and have lived here for a long time. Um, but even though we are neighborly and friendly, we don't necessarily come together as much as our neighboring states to volunteer and do things like that in the community. So um, there's some there's some good and there's some bad in the Civic Health Index report. The other thing that is really um, interesting and that I'm curious to really explore with folks like you and and um, other people that come to our convenings as we have them throughout the year is how we get our news exactly. and how we become informed. So one of the reasons that the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute is uh, so excited about this program is we, it goes all the way back to 1971 for us when Governor Rockefeller gave his farewell address. And he said, every citizen has the duty to be informed, to be thoughtfully concerned, and to participate in the search for solutions. Well, what does that look like 50 plus years later? And being informed is becoming a little harder even in this explosion of, you know, news sources and technology because I think it's about half of our counties only have one newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, newspapers in general are struggling. Uh, people don't have enough access to locally generated and curated news. Um, even when they do seek out news sources, often they are not factual. They're not reliable. They're on social media. So we have this issue about being informed and how do we do that? And that's another piece of the Civic Health Index is kind of looking at where people get their news and what the trajectory is for that, frankly. Absolutely. It is a huge problem. I, I obviously could do a whole series of shows just on that one topic, but what we call news deserts where there is no real local reporting. Nobody's at that school board meeting. Nobody's at that county quorum court meeting uh, doing a story, those are growing around rural Arkansas. And, it, and it's dangerous for democracy because, as you said, people at that point tend to get their quote-unquote news from social media, which is, of course, highly unreliable and a great tool for those who want to spread disinformation to do so. So it is a huge, huge issue uh, for the whole country, but certainly a rural state like Arkansas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's an interesting thing to ponder. We're almost, we're more connected online than we've ever been, but we're also more disconnected in our communities. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that the Civic Health Index um, proves. And so, you know, we, we really want to pull people together and starting with public engagement professionals, we're convening on uh, the mountain, on Petty Jean Mountain on February 14th to wrangle with what's in the Civic Health Index. Just look at the findings, look at the recommendations and ask ourselves, those of us who are in the civic engagement space, what can we do together collectively that can improve the civic health of Arkansas, that can ease some of the pathways for people I obviously don't know what those answers are. I think that's part of what we do when we convene as we, we try to get that wisdom from the room. Uh, but we're also going to be having listening sessions out in the state, out that's in correct. those rural communities to ask, what is it that keeps you from voting? What is it that keeps you from registering? What is it that prevents you from volunteering? We can speculate about all of these things, but what we want to know is from our Kansans, what stands in the way? Because again, I, I'm optimistic and hopeful about the future of Arkansas because I know Arkansas people. And I know that we, um, we're very connected. We're very close. We have this kinship. And we want what's good for our communities. And I think 
just understanding the structure that will help get us there is the goal that we have with this program. You know, we use that term, we've heard it a lot in government through the years, the report that sits on the shelf and gathers dust, and Lord knows there have been plenty of those, and uh, with these convenings around the state, it, it sounds like you are determined that this not be the proverbial report that gathers dust. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know, there's that's going to be dependent on all of us being excited about this and wanting to make a difference, and I know a lot of people are, and I'm uh, excited to bring them together and to ask questions and sort of challenge us all to think about how we can do something different. You know, there's a, there've been a number of studies and reports and conversations across the country about democracy, the state of democracy and where we are in the United States. And, um, you know, there's been reports and recommendations released on how we can help people vote and how we can help ease the process for volunteerism and all the things that are covered in here. But the, but what I want us to do and I want us all to think about is what should we do in Arkansas? We have some very unique strengths. And we have some very unique assets. And that the piece about us feeling connected to each other and it being a very small state, that is so huge. That's such a huge um, asset for us to build upon. And so we can't keep doing the same thing we've been doing or we keep getting the same result. So we're, yes, committed to making sure that not only is there a civic health index report released now that is a baseline for our civic health, but that in years in the future, we can go back and see how we've improved that. Absolutely. It's an exciting process, and I know I'm going to be writing a lot more about it in the year to come. I don't want to run out of time, though, without us talking about other things you might have going on at the Winter Rockefeller Institute. I know it's not just the Civic Health Index and uh, that initiative, but talk about some of the other initiatives you've got going on, uh, some of what you did last year and what we're going to see the rest of 2024. Yeah, yeah. so we have two new programs in 2024. Civic Arkansas is one, and, and just to the last thing I want to say about that is that you can visit our website at rockefellerinstitute.org slash Civic Arkansas. You can read the Civic Health Index report. You can also sign up to receive information depending on, you know, from your area of the state, listening sessions that you want to be invited to, that sort of thing. So I'll encourage your listeners to do that. We also are launching a program this year and it's just called Simply Water. And what we're focused on really is conservation of groundwater resources in agriculture. Um, agriculture's a big user of water, but they're also a big contributor, obviously, to our economy. We have an uh, abundance of water in Arkansas, and so sometimes it's easy to forget that we need to engage in conservation. So we're going to be talking about collaborative efforts, both in technology, education, and research, that will help farmers, uh, producers, and, and um, engineers do all of that work. We, um, we've been, we facilitate a lot of meetings, so um, even if it's not programmatic related, people will come to the Institute to have us help design their meetings so that they have a productive conversation. So it's our uh, hope and, and goal to help people have thoughtful, structured conversations um, about issues that they're working on. For example, we um, last year did the food, Governor's Food Desert Working Group Governor Asa Hutchinson convened a food desert working group, brought them up to the mountain, and we talked about ways that we could help address food deserts in Arkansas. So that's a, an outcome of some of our programs. We've just uh, completed a program called IR3, which is recidivism, reentry, and reunification. 
bringing together all stakeholders in the justice system and even those who have been formerly incarcerated to talk about ways that we can improve the reunification and reentry of those coming out of prison into the community um, so that we don't have to send them back to prison. Um, and so that's some, just some of the work, a couple of things that we've been doing. Um, very excited about an opportunity that we have coming up next week. We're going to be traveling some of our facilitation team to New York, uh, the home of Governor Rockefeller, actually the summer home where he grew up. Oh, wow. Um, at, they have a conference center there where they convene and work on issues. And uh, if, if that sounds familiar, that's part of the family legacy. And we're facilitating a meeting of um, third sector researchers, so people that are really working on civic participation across the globe. So I hope to learn a lot um, by yeah. being there and um, and doing that sort of work. But we have a lot of opportunity for people to come to the mountain, to come to Petty Jean, experience the Rockefeller ethic, as we call it, which is collaborative problem solving, respectful dialogue, and diversity of opinion. We know that when we bring those three things together and we have this structured process to help people do good work, that we can achieve transformational change. We see it happen all the time with groups that we work with. So I just invite people to make a trip up, even if you're not bringing a group, which we'd love for you to do. We have workshops to, to, to teach people some of the tactics and techniques that we have for effective meetings. Um, but we also just invite people to come and visit our museum. We have a lot of information there. About I really, uh, as you know, never turned out an opportunity to come up to the mountain. I've been lucky enough to be asked to speak to a number of groups that have met there through the years and participate in a number of sessions. And I'm doing your ad for you right here, but uh, <laughs> but it is true. What I have found there, because you are remote, because there aren't 10 restaurants that you can walk to like the middle of a city, because there aren't several movie theaters, uh, you don't have those distractions, and I have found that some of the best conversations I've ever had are not in the sessions themselves, but when you go back over for dinner and you might sit down at a table with people you don't know that well and uh, visit, and it's it's in the evening after the sessions that I've frankly had some of my most valuable uh, discussions about Arkansas through the years. Yeah, I think that's right. And thank you for, for mentioning that because it's a special place. And uh, there's something about driving up the mountain. So you sort of let go of everything behind you. You're, as you say, not going to be shopping or eating anywhere else. You're in community once you come to the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute with the people that you're there to do work with. And so it's sitting around breaking bread together uh, enjoying the outdoors together. It's a beautiful campus. We have 188 acres. We have a lovely view of the river valley off the brow. You know, so yeah, it's a great place to go and, and do good work. And our job, not only as facilitators and meeting designers, but as a hospitality team is to unburden you so that you can do that work while you're there. And that's a really important part of Governor Rockefeller's legacy too. You know, he had a lot of meetings on that mountain when he lived there. And a lot of times it was with people, most of the time it was with people he disagreed with because he brought the Arkansas legislature. But even in that midst of seeing things differently, he wanted them to feel welcome. He wanted them to feel as though they had the opportunity to express their views and same for, for him. So that's what we continue to do is just provide that environment. Yeah, I, I, I remember conversations, in fact, some of them coming to events um, on the mountain and I would uh, 
pick up the late John Ward at his home in Conway several times. I've told you this before, and we would go up, and, and John would tell me, of course, who was a campaign manager, key aide then in the governor's office, uh, wrote the first book about Governor Rockefeller, but he said, you know, in many ways, this was the capital of Arkansas for four years. Governor really didn't like being in Little Rock. He didn't like being, and so as you said, legislators, others would come to him because I I think that certainly that atmosphere I'm talking about, he thought that he could think better and he could solve problems better there than he could the hustle and bustle of Little Rock in the state capitol. Yeah, that's 100% true, and you feel it. I mean, I've been there for eight years now, um, and it still feels special. It still feels like a getting away when you go up the mountain and, and um, you know, head to a conversation or convening or meeting at the Institute. So we're really proud to keep that tradition alive. And I think uh, Governor Rockefeller, you know, is kind of seeded that on the mountain. But Pepgene itself is pretty special. It's just beautiful and it's restful and peaceful. And um, it's a great place to be. If you've if you come up to the mountain, especially in the morning, and you don't stop at Stout's Point and, and exactly. watch the sun come up over the river, you've missed an opportunity. But um, we invite folks to come up and, and visit us and, you know, just be part of the work we're doing. There's a lot of other programs we have beyond civic health. We have workshops that people can take part in just to understand, like, how do you have difficult conversations about politics with family and friends? Um, there's some ways that you can do that. And uh, so we we're engaged in trying to teach that Rockefeller ethic as much as possible on the mill. Yeah. And anybody who knows me and knows my interests would be disappointed if I didn't mention food. So I can tell you, if you go up there for a couple of days, the food is very, very good. It is very, very good. And um, you have to be disciplined if you work there. Food is a big part of uh, how we connect. And I know you know that you write about it all the time. And it's a part of how we you know, celebrate our culture, but also each other. Um, and so I, I think there's, it's all part of the experience, the food, the views, the activities you can do, the way that your meeting is structured. And we really take all of that very seriously. And it's a it's a fun thing to get to do every day. Absolutely. So uh, if somebody's thinking, all right, this would be a great place for my board, my organization to get together. Do they do they just go online, find the email address, and send you guys an email? That's right. They can go to our website, and there's a conferences tab, and there's a way. There's a very simple little form to fill out, and then we have conference planners that will reach out to you personally and kind of help you have a very bespoke experience, depending on what it is that you're trying to achieve, and they'll help you understand what services we have. Uh, that might be helpful to you in your meeting. And some people come and they just want to have, it's a social event. We we do fewer of those than we do other kinds of meetings. There's still, you know, people that want to do that. So whatever your interest, whatever your need, visit the website and uh, just get in touch with us and we'd be happy to to help you. Gotcha. Before we run out of time, I'll let you look ahead a little bit. Where would you like to see the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute go? What would you like to see it achieve, let's say, over the next five years and the next 10 years? Yeah, well, so there's a couple of different things. I mean, one is the preservation of place. I would be remiss if I didn't start with that. Winthrop Rockefeller began building on Petty Jean in 1953. That was 70 years ago, 71 now. And so we have a lot of historic buildings and uh, campus footprint that I want to preserve. But we also are probably looking at adding some space, uh, not just to the conference center, but for our lodging. We can house about 75 now. We probably need to bump that up a little bit to be able to accommodate the groups that need our services 
and to benefit from our mission. So from a place perspective, keeping Governor Rockefeller's legacy at the forefront, um, preserving those his, that historic campus is one of my number one goals. Um, but five to 10 years out, what I hope to see is that people understand that the Winthrop Rockefeller Institute is a place to go to bridge the silos. Um, and I use that term because if you're not familiar with the Institute, there's two big grain silos that anchor the main conference right. building. And so I use that metaphor a lot with people that, you know, whether it's political divisions or some other kind, Everybody works in their own silos. Everybody has to get out of that in order to work collaboratively with others. And so I hope that the Institute is known as the place where that work can best be done and that we are helping, and this is the most important thing on an individual level, that we are helping empower Arkansans and people outside of our state with the Rockefeller ethic. And when I say that, I mean that they know how they can engage in conversation and dialogue and collaborative problem solving with people in their community, whether that's their city, their town, their school, their state, or their country, um, because that gives people the agency to make positive change. And we all need to know, understand, appreciate, and accept that responsibility. And so to, for, from that perspective, that's what I hope that the Institute can be a part of contributing to and creating in Arkansas. And before we finish up, I know the answer to this, but I, I can just picture listeners out there wanting to know the answer to this question, and that is, are, are, are members of the Rockefeller family still involved in any way? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Mrs. Lisa Ann Rockefeller, who is um, the, the widow of Winthrop Paul Rockefeller, uh, who was the son of Governor Rockefeller, is a member of our board. Um, we still have other family members who are connected to our work and, you know, contribute and uh, both ideas and time and energy. So, yes, the yep. family's still very much involved, and we're glad to have them. And, and, and the ranch is still operational right next to you, and those those Rockefeller, famous Rockefeller cattle will look at you as you're, as you're driving through their pasture on the way to WRI, right? They look at me very expectedly, and I love to talk to them. They're always disappointed because I don't have food. There's nothing better than uh, being able to look out over a pasture of someone else's cows. I mean, it's just, so I don't have to take care of them, but I do really enjoy them. So, I, you know, thanks for, for having me on. I want to say one other thing, and that is you wrote a column at the end of the year about your wish list for 24, mm -hmm. and I would encourage people to go back to read it because it's for uh, the Arkansas that you would like to see, and almost every one of those things are based in civic health. So thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Janet, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us for another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette.